Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online church service. I'm so happy that you're joining me today. I believe that God has a word for you, a timely word, in the sense that we're even going to talk about the subject of biblical time and how God sees time and has special moments of time designated for you. We're going to talk about that today. I believe something special is going to take place in your life. But before we jump into today's message, let's look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 13, as we prepare our hearts to receive the holy tithes and offerings and bring them into the storehouse of God. I think this is very interesting. Now, I think that quite a few of you are familiar with this verse, but I want to bring out a special facet that will help you with your finances. Genesis 22, verse 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. I want you just to say the word ram. Okay, so there was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. Now, we see that Abraham went and took the ram and offered it for burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So we have the name Jehovah Jireh mentioned to us in Scripture, translated basically as the Lord will see to it that your every need is met. And it's very fascinating because I think there are some Christians who are a little puzzled by Jehovah Jireh's behavior. And they would maybe say, well, Lord, you know, I, I love you. I'm trying to serve you and live for you. And I know in the word, your name is revealed as Jehovah Jireh. But Lord, if you're my provider, then why do I have, you know, times of lack or times of shortage in my life? Uh, is it like maybe you're, you're Jehovah Jireh sometime, but not Jehovah Jireh at other times? And I was meditating on that, and I felt like the Lord said that it's very important that in order to eliminate shortage perpetually out of your life, you need to always do the right thing with the ram that he provides for your life. Praise God. You know what? Abraham could have turned around and saw that ram, and he could have thought, you know, I know I could use that for a sacrifice, but at the same time, I could take that ram down the mountain, and I could sell him at the market, and then I could turn around and finally buy a camel. I could have a limousine of the desert. Yes, I could have the finest camel. And he could have done something like that, but that is a misallocation of funds. Praise the Lord. You know, if you get a bonus at work. Let's say you get a thousand dollar bonus. You weren't even expecting it, but the company's doing well. Everybody's called to come by the boss's office. You sign off that you've received it and you're given a thousand dollar check. Sometimes companies, when they pay out bonuses, they're nice. They even do it in cash. Isn't that nice? And so you've got a thousand dollars in your hand and you're not sure what to do with it. And you go home and uh, you stay up late at night and you're just surfing the the television channels, maybe you come across one of those shopping channels, and somebody is selling Ginsu knives, and you don't really need any knives, but you end up watching the show, you get pulled into it, and you think, well, I tell you what, it would be nice to have a, a set of Ginsu knives. Uh, I, you know, I could, you know, cut up my steak and potatoes in 20 different ways with those sharp knives, and you spend the thousand dollars on something that you didn't even really need. And then later, when there's a deficit that just happens to be $1,000, you're looking for $1,000, and you can't find it because you did the wrong thing with your ram. Praise God. Misallocation of funds, doing the wrong thing with the ram. What this is, is this is money that you have in your possession. 
in your own hands, being sent to the wrong place, which means later there is going to be a deficit, a shortage at the right place. And so sometimes believers can't pay their rent. They can't pay their light bill. But if you check into their overall income based with their overall needs, you'll actually find out that Jehovah Jireh is doing his thing. It's just that the money is not being stewarded properly. It's not a matter of we need more, we need more. Often what the problem is, is that you're not properly allocating the money that you have. And so when you do silly things with it, it causes perpetual shortage in your life. It's not that Jehovah Jireh is not faithful. It's that the purpose of the ram is being misapplied. Praise God. I think it's very important for you to understand that on your journey to the land of more than enough, on your journey, it's very, very important for you to do the right thing with money. And when you're living in the land of just enough, not the land of more than enough, when you are living in the land of just enough, you don't have room for error. I'm talking about financial error. You don't have room to do the wrong thing with your money. Oftentimes, people stay in that place longer than what God intends because they don't learn the lesson of financial stewardship. Look, if you're on a monthly uh, you know, income of $3,000 and you get that all messed up, it's not like something's going to magically change if somehow now you're running $30,000 a month or $300,000 a month, or $3 million a month. If you get it all fumbled and jumbled on a small level, you can be assured that the same thing would happen on a larger level. So what you have to do is properly allocate money, funds, and resources into their right place, into the God-intended designated area. If you don't, there is going to be shortage, and when you need it, you won't have it because you spent it on the Ginsu knives or on something that really wasn't even a need. It wasn't even a need. And so these are areas of training that God has for us as we are on the way to the land of more than enough. You have to understand that overflow, overflow, more than enough, it creates breathing room. But if you're not in that place and you hardly have any breathing room, you need to get real sharp real solid and real committed with where your money goes. Nothing runs on its own. Everything needs oversight and proper allocation of this goes here, that goes there. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, I was meditating on something that Bill Gates said that I I think there's a lot of wisdom in it. And he was being interviewed in the state of Washington and a person, a young, a young person said, you know, what's it like having so much money? Uh, what, what is it like to actually live in a, in a realm where you just have more money than you can even spend? What's it like to be in a place like that? I think it's fascinating what he said. He basically said that once you get past the level of millions. You know, you got a few million dollars, then you get a few mil, a few more million dollars. He said, once you go beyond that level, he said, I have to tell you, it's just another hamburger. It's just the same hamburger. It's just a hamburger all over again. You know, my wife and I, we walked from our house to a restaurant that is in some of the leading travel and restaurant magazines of the world. They, they all talk about this restaurant. It is so good that when you go to this restaurant, it doesn't matter what you order. Everything is good. You could order this, that. You could order something that you don't even, you, you don't even know what the name of it means, but if it shows up on your plate, you can be assured that it's from uh, the farm to the table. It was probably taken out of the garden or probably uh, caught and prepared that day. I mean, it is, it's incredible. And my wife and I were eating there uh, just the other day and enjoying it. They got great prices, incredible food, and they're very, very well-known restaurant. But even here's the catch. Here's the thing you have to understand in context of what Mr. Gates said 
It's just, it's just another hamburger. The thing is, is that I ordered a meal and I loved it. It it was great. It, 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 It was cooked as good as food humanly can be cooked. It was as fresh and as hot as food can be possibly prepared. It was presented with excellence. It was presented in a beautiful manner and it tasted great. Here's the thing though. Don't ever forget. It's still just food. Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, think about that just for a moment. It's still just food. You know, it's not like food is going to set your world on fire. You know, with well, I can't sleep. I'm just so excited about food. It's still just food. It's just another hamburger. Well, Pastor Stephen, if I had billions and billions of dollars, I'd buy I'd buy another car. I'd buy a Rolls Royce. And look, I think we would all absolutely say that a Rolls Royce is an incredible vehicle. But don't ever forget it's still just a car. I mean, it's not like you're going to want to live in it. It's just a car. It, it, you know, it's a, it's a, a vehicle that sits on rubber, and it's made out of metal. That, that, that's really all it is when it comes down to it. I know there's a lot of leather in it as well, but it's still just a car. Well, Pastor Stephen, if I had billions and billions of dollars, I'd go out and I'd buy another home. I'd buy two homes. I'd buy ten homes. But look, once you walk into that home, sleep in that home and enjoy the home, you realize, hey, it's just marble, granite, tile, carpet, and wood, and paint, and furnishings. It's still just another house. There are things about the earthly life that have a ceiling when it comes to experiences. And the real fullness of life can only be experienced in Jesus who gives fullness of life. And I think there's something else. You have to always realize you are designed to live eternally with God forever. So you need more than 70 or 80 years to really experience living. You need an eternity. And you also need a glorified body to really experience it the way God wants you to. All of that's coming. Okay, that's that's all in front of you. So in this lifetime, enjoy life. Life in Christ is really, really good. But remember, in many ways, from those who know, who have the billions and the billions of dollars, it's just another hamburger. It's just another car. Just another house. It's just another good meal. And so there, there are things you have to realize that in order to go into that place, you must do the right thing with money. Don't let, don't let items or stuff or things uh, get you so worked up. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. That you do the wrong thing with money. And instead of sacrificing that ram, you're over here taking that ram to the market and trying to sell it. So you can buy a new artwork or, or a new painting or something like that. But by the way, speaking of stuff that's very subjective in price, I mean, some of these pieces of artwork that sell for hundreds of millions of dollars, a lot of that stuff, I look at it and think, that's total baloney. I I wouldn't pay $100 for it. I know beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But really, my friends, I think that we need to do the right thing with the ram. And if God says it's designated for this, if God says allocate it here, and also when God doesn't say, and you just use good biblical principles and common sense of allocating, paying bills, saving, investing, sowing, reaping, I tell you what, you do that, you're going to end up discovering that God really is Jehovah Jireh, and that he's always faithful. So if you are experiencing shortage, look and see, am I mismanaging what I have? Am I misallocating money to wrong areas? Am I doing something with the ram that I was never supposed to do? And so clean those areas up. Clean those areas up and let God be true in your life. And with a platform of stability and neatness and order in your finances, you will be positioned for new levels of of increase. Father, I pray for your people as they are bringing their tithes and offerings into the storehouse. Lord God, bless them with divine order in their finances. Father God, let them see life from an eternal perspective, not just something that's short where we've got to grab and grab and get all we can get, but from an eternal perspective, we have time. And we are blessed now, and we are going forward into greater levels of enjoyment, of prosperity and blessing. But we will not have covetousness in our life. We will have contentment and enjoy the journey. We thank you, Father God, for the land of more than enough. 
It's the place you want to bring all your people into. Let them find that place in you. Father, we thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, and we give you all the praise and the glory. Reveal the majesty of your name to your people as they tithe and honor you with their offerings in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, those of you that would like to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456. Our city is Mooresville, the state North Carolina, zip code 28117. If you would like to bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God online, safe and secure, it is available 24-7, 365 days a year. Please go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There on the home page is a link a header called Tides and Offerings. You can go there, click that, submit your Tides and Offerings. They come immediately into the storehouse of God, and you are blessed, and you are continually doing the right thing with the ram and with all provision that God brings into your life, and you will never know shortage because of this. Praise God forever. Now, I want us to take our Bibles and turn today to Mark chapter 1, Verse 15, as you're turning to Mark chapter 1, verse 15, please be mindful that our upcoming Israel tour, our next tour to the Holy Land, is May 2018, May 20th through the 30th. And if you would like to go, my wife and I would love to have you come along with us. It is going to be a tremendous time in the Spirit of God. We're going to see the best that Israel has to offer. We will cover the whole land. We will go around the beautiful nation of Israel, eating the best of the land, seeing the beauty of the land, learning the history of the land, loving the Jewish people, praying for the nation of Israel, and experiencing the glory of of God. If you would like to come on this tour, the full brochure is on my website, stephenbrooks.org. Click on the link that says Israel Tour, and you can download the PDF flyer, and you can call 1-800-929-4684, option two, to sign up and register to go on this tour. It takes $300 to register. That gets you registered and get you moving forward to this departure date. Okay, that number again, 1-800-929-4684. Please select option two. And I'll see you in the Holy Land in May. Woo, it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, we are on our journey today to Mark chapter one. Woo, glory to God. Mm-mm. Mark chapter one. And we're going to drop down to just uh, the, uh, verse 14 in just a moment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, let your Holy Spirit come and quicken your word, that it not be ink on paper, that it not just be like a dry historical lesson, but, oh God, let it be fresh and alive and living to us today, because we don't live by bread alone. But, Father, we live by every word that comes out of your mouth. So feed us today with manna from heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Today, I want to talk about your Kairos moment in time. In ancient Greek culture and in their language, they had two words that were used to describe time. And the word Kairos is actually mentioned over 50 times in the New Testament. There are two words they use, the word Kronos and Kairos. The word Kronos is very interesting because it's where we get our word chronograph. If you have a watch that has a chronograph, which will measure time to one-tenth, sometimes even up to one one-hundredth of a second, then that word is originating from Kronos, which would be chronograph. But when you're thinking about Kronos time, we are talking about the normal passing of time as recorded in seconds, minutes, Hours, days, weeks, months, years. The word chronos time in Greek culture would also refer to the turning of a calendar, whether we are going into a new month or into a new year. That is the normal method of passing of time. And you know what? We need to enjoy that. That's the majority of where we spend our life is in chronos time, where we wake up, we go to work, we go about our normal 
daily activities of life. Sometimes it's not very exciting. Sometimes it's a little bit redundant. Maybe even can be, in a sense, mundane in, in, in the sense that you get good at it, and you could even do what you're supposed to do without even thinking about it that much. Now, I know some jobs require more mental acuity, you know, if you're working with numbers or, or something like that, but there's other types of hand jobs. You just, you know, you, you've worked it, you've done it. You could almost do it with your eyes closed, almost do it without thinking. But nevertheless, we should enjoy Kronos time. We should enjoy every day with the Lord, every hour, because it is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in Him that He has given us another day of living on this earth, living for Him, and getting to know Him. By the way, I think this is fascinating, because scientists have you know, tinkered around with the idea, and probably more than tinkered, they really have delved into it, with the concept, the idea, is it possible to time travel? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, it's fun to let your mind go places and think about possibilities. And scientists, they get together and they have symposiums, they have meetings, and they toss around these ideas and develop formulas to see if they can, you know, get something that will stick and hold together beyond the theory and find something that, hey, can we actually do it? Well, Pastor Stephen, what do you think about time travel? Is it possible? Here's my answer. Yes and no. Okay, let me explain. You can travel in time backwards and even forward, too. (laughs) Backwards is pretty cool, but you could also go forward, but you can only do it in the Holy Spirit. If he decides to allow that to happen, you can experience that. But you can't fabricate it, you can't force it, you can't manufacture it. That is something that only God, the Holy Spirit, can do. Now, can you travel in time from a physical perspective, from a natural perspective? Can we create a machine and hook the machine up to a chair and sit in the chair and go back in time and find out finally what happened to the dinosaurs? Well, you can't do it from a physical, natural perspective. It won't work. It's not permitted. It's not allowed. But you can travel in the Spirit. There have been times when I will be in prayer. Sometimes when I'm taking communion, I'll be moved by the Spirit. I will go over in the Spirit, and I will see the Lord on the cross. And the Holy Spirit allows me to see that because it allows me to connect with what he did for me. I know what he did. He did it for humanity. But in a sense, humanity is made up of people, and we're, you know, people are individuals. So he really died for us one at a time, in a sense that if you were the only one that he needed to come to earth for and shed his blood, he would have done it just for you. So I have been privileged by the Spirit of God to travel back in time and see the Lord suffering there on that cross. I've, I've even had him look at me. And, you know, I, I'm able to meditate on that and to appreciate the passion of our Savior, which, which goes beyond really mental, the ability to grasp or understand such love, such, such sacrifice. We'll be thinking about it for, for all eternity and pondering the great love that Jesus, our Savior, has for us. But I have had other times when the Spirit of the Lord has taken me forward, and I have stood in places see what's coming from the futuristic perspective. That's a lot of fun, praise God. Or I can see, let me say it like this, what already is, and that the church will come into. I think most of the time travel that the Spirit of the Lord allows is backwards, because a lot of prophecy touches the forward, but you can go backwards. I talked to a a prophet friend of mine, and he told me about a vision that he had, and he said that he was taken in the spirit while he was in prayer, and he just was taken to a place, and he was like there to watch. He couldn't interfere. They couldn't see him, but he was there observing this biblical moment. He didn't know what it was at first. He saw this large man very strong man sitting on a rock talking with a younger man and they were sitting on the 
on the rock talking. And as he got closer, he could hear their conversation. And the older, wiser man, who was a very, very large man, said, Lot, let's do this. I don't want there to be any strife between us and, and between our workers. So you pick where you want to go. And if you choose to go this direction, I'll go the other direction. And he realized, this prophet from the mind told me, he realized, he said, I was watching the conversation between Abraham and Lot when Lot chose the area of Sodom, Gomorrah to move to that area. And Abraham, having such a kind, humble heart, willing to yield, and actually allowing the younger person to choose the location of what they would like, and letting that person go first, basically. He said it was an amazing moment. So the Holy Spirit can allow you to time travel where you are able to witness what is taking place. And through other other movings of the Spirit, you could even travel forward and stand in the Spirit in the future. But you've always got to come back to what? To Kronos time. To Kronos time. That is the everyday time frame in which we live. That's what the earth functions on. And I'm glad. I'm glad when the airplane leaves at 810, we need to be on the airplane early because at 810, it's out of there. I, I like things to run on time. Praise the Lord. It's good to have Kronos time. I think some people are still trying to figure it out. They always run late. And the cure for that is to miss the bus. And when the bus leaves without you, when the plane leaves without you, you realize, wow, time really is important. Praise God. Hallelujah. So that's good. But the Bible from the New Testament primarily speaks about not Kronos time, but Kairos time. Well, you see this in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled. Now the word time in the Greek is kairos. The kairos time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. I mean, he's saying it's here. I mean, Jesus is on the scene. His public ministry has begun and he's preaching. I mean, it's going on now. Repent and believe in the gospel. All the previous generations and years and hundreds of years passing and all the prophecies about the coming Messiah, guess what? The Kairos moment has come. He's here. There's no further need for a prophecy. He's standing here, and his ministry is now taking place. That, my friends, is the distinction between Kronos and Kairos. It is a special fulfillment of a moment in time. It is a predetermined fixed time. I think that's very important to understand. It is a fixed time. It's going to happen. God's going to get you there, and he's going to get you there on time. You might think you're not going to make it, <laughs> but you're going to make it by his grace. Uh, if, if he has to grab you out of bed and put your shoes and socks on, you're going to make it because this is very, very important for your destiny. This is why God created you. This is a key moment in your life. This is a predetermined fixed time. I'm here to tell you today that there is a Kairos moment that is coming forth for you. Get ready. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, Kairos can also be translated as God's appointed time to act. God's appointed time to act in the body of Christ, in the nation, and even in your life, very importantly, as an individual. Here's another translation of the word kairos. I love this. This will stick. You'll be able to remember, remember this. Kairos can be translated as ripeness. Ripeness. It's ripe. The harvest is ripe. We must bring in the harvest now. Well, why? Because if we wait, it will move out of the season of ripeness, and then it can begin to rot. Ouch, that's not good. There's a window. There's an opportunity. And you must respond in the Kairos moment while the window is open, while it is ripe. Praise God. Hallelujah. Another definition for kairos, along with ripeness, and I really like that, that one of ripeness. You, you can tell when it's ripe. You can tell it's time. Yes, 
the harvest that I have sowed towards, it's here. You can sense that. Now, another definition for Kairos is, check this out, the supreme moment. Woo! Hallelujah. Now, I know you have some good moments in life, but a Kairos moment is something on a higher level. It is the supreme moment. Did you ever notice, it'd be hard not to, did you ever notice that not all moments are the same? You know, there's a big difference uh, between lining up at the state championship track meet and putting your toe on the line and the, the, you know, the starters about to fire the gun and the race is about to begin. This is the state high school championship. There's a big difference between that and stepping up to the starting line at the Olympics in the final with the whole world watching. There's a big difference. And you get to that moment in the Olympics where you've made it through the quarters and the uh, final, the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and you've made it to the finals. And there's only eight people on the planet in the event. And they're all the best in the world. And you stand there. This is your moment to take the gold. Hallelujah. Ooh, hallelujah. What is that? It's a Kairos moment. And for an athlete, that can be that moment that God has destined for your life. And you know, you know, you have to understand a lot of those things are in God's hands. If you don't have the fast twitch muscle fiber, there's not a lot you can do about that. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm slow. I was born with slow twitch muscle fiber, muscle fiber, but I want to be an Olympic sprinter. Well, I hate to inform you, but it's not going to happen. Some of this comes down to not just hard works, but also genetics. Go with your gifting. Go with your anointing. Hallelujah. Not everybody can sing. Not everybody's destined to be in the Metropolitan Opera. Why, Pastor Stephen? I'd like to be. Because you just don't have that natural gift. You have to take that natural blessing and build on it. Praise God. Glory to God. There's an intellectual blessing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You find your gift. You find your calling. And you develop that. Here's what's amazing about the spiritual gifting, the spiritual anointing is that anybody, even if, you're, even if your IQ is not going to win you any awards, even if your looks are not going to get you on the magazine cover, even if these talents aren't there or those giftings aren't there, if you will seek the Lord, it's amazing what God can do in the life of a man or woman or boy or girl who will submit their life to him and say, God, do something through me. I seek you with all of my heart. Develop something in me that will bring you glory. Hallelujah. And if there's not something there, God can put something there. God can put something there that was never there before. Praise God. But my friends, not all moments are the same. Some are more valuable than others. And you need to learn to recognize that difference. A Kairos moment can be translated from the Greek as the supreme moment. This is what you've worked for. This is what you have believed God for. And after 20 years or 10 years of labor and of effort, now, God says, the time has come. And something opens for you that's never opened before. Something is presented to you that was never presented before. A connection is made that now lifts you to a platform that you have never had access into before. What, what is that? That, my friends, is the Kairos moment. Praise God. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. I mean, Jesus said, it's, it's here. And in the Greek, that's what he's literally saying. The kairos moment is fulfilled. Hallelujah. He's on the earth. He's walking. He's preaching. He's teaching. The, it, it's on. Praise God. Awesome. Hallelujah. The kairos moment. Now, let's look at it again in the sense of a kairos, a kairos visitation. Luke chapter 19. Praise God. Luke chapter 19, I believe your supreme moment, a supreme moment that God had planned for you before you were ever born, before you ever walked on this earth or popped out of your mother's womb, God has some special Kairos moments for you. They don't happen every day. Oftentimes they don't even happen every year, but they're marked, predetermined by God for you to step into if God has to move heaven and earth, he'll do it to get you there to be at your appointment on time. 
Hallelujah. Woo, something is taking place in your life today. We are in Luke chapter 19. Let's go down to verse 43. This is the Lord talking. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. They will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. In the Greek, you did not know the kairos moment of your visitation. You didn't know this appointed time. There was a fixed time for Jerusalem. And the religious leaders did not catch it. And there were quite a few other Jewish people that did not catch it. And they could have. They saw the miracles. They saw the miracles, but not everybody responded. Even with miraculous signs and wonders right in front of them. It wasn't a question. Is it a miracle? Is it fake or is it real? No, they knew it was real. And they still didn't receive him. Okay, so they they did not know the time of the visitation. But look, I believe you're going to know yours because I'm speaking to those that are hungry, hungry for the Lord. I'm speaking to those who already sense something something glorious is about to break in my life. Yes, it is. It's going to come forth. And so, like the sons of Issachar, you are sensitive to the times and seasons of the nation, yes, of the corporate body of Christ, yes, but even in your own life as an individual, yes, praise God. Something is shifting, and that can be also a a word that goes along with kairos moments. There is a shift, and it's moving away from something old to move into something new. It's moving away from a previous way that you have done things into a new way of doing things. Did you ever notice in life that your desires change? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that chewing bubble gum is just not like that big of a thing to you anymore? I, I mean, when you're eight years old, I mean, trying to find out who can blow the biggest bubble is very, very important. But as your life matures, you just, you know, realize bubble gum and hard rock candy, you know, it just kind of fades out. See, your desires change as your seasons change, and you find yourself thinking, you know, what excited me yesterday is not exciting me anymore. Why? God's got something new for you to step into. Praise God. A Kairos moment, a fixed time, an open door is now ready for you. You know, I heard a pastor give a really good example of this. This this would be a Kairos moment on a smaller scale, but it still was a Kairos moment. The youth leader pastor, the pastor over the youth, said that a large group of the youth, the teenagers, had gone to South America on a mission trip, and they had all just got safely back to the church. And so on Sunday morning, the entire youth group is on fire. They had, they had gone to South America. They had seen God move in power, and signs and wonders, and they came back to the corporate church they belong to, the, the general assembly that they belong to, and all the young people, all the teenagers, they are just absolutely on fire for God. And so the youth pastor asked some of the teenagers to come up and share their testimony. And they talked about how their lives were changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not only were they able to witness and minister to others, but God had gripped their hearts, and suddenly they had found themselves wanting to lay their lives down to serve God in whatever capacity that that that, that might be. And their hearts were like wax that had been melted. And as testimonies were shared, the glory of God began to come down on the congregation. And the youth pastor said there was just like an awe in the meeting, and that that weighty glory, which described by the Hebrews as the Shekinah, the Kabod, that weighty glory came over the whole church because they had just shared all these testimonies, and everybody's hearts was being touched. And that it, it was a moment, a Kairos moment, and it came on the church, and the youth pastor said that he looked at the senior pastor 
And they, they all sensed it. They felt like it was like a glory bomb was about to explode. Like the, like God was ready to break through to them and take them, take the whole church into a new level. There's no telling what he was going to do. But the youth pastor said he looked at the senior pastor. The senior pastor looked at him and they didn't know what to do. They just kind of stood there in all of this power of God is just hovering. I mean, just, it's just right over the people. They can feel it. You can feel it. And the, the, the leaders didn't know what to do. And so the youth pastor said, well, the senior pastor just walked up and went into the next announcements. And as he just began to make the next amount announcements, like uh, next week, we're going to have a chicken dinner. And uh, Thursday night, we're going to have, you know, uh, you know, bingo night or something like that, that, that potential to go through that open door just closed. It just, all of that glory just diminished and just went away and it was lost. And, you know, looking back, sometimes as we say, hindsight is twenty twenty. In other words, you have perfect vision when you realize, oh, I could have done that better. And oftentimes that's attributed to growth and grace and maturity and that youth pastor and the senior pastor realized later, wow, we should have capitalized on that. In other words, you just yield to the moment and say, God, what would you do? God, pour out your spirit, establish something, establish something in the ministry of this church that, that will impact nations. But none of that was, none of that was done and it was all lost. And moments like that, they're Kairos moments. What it almost seems like a door to a new, not sometimes a new realm, but a new dimension has been opened before you. Will you go through it? Will you go through it? Now, I believe with your own life as an individual, sometimes on things like that, you can't control it. In other words, you could be sitting in that church, but you can't hijack the pastor's role. God works through the leadership. And if the pastor misses it, well, you know, you, you just got to have your own walk with the Lord in special moments like that, because that's a corporate, that's a corporate blessing. God's trying to brand something corporately. God's trying to bring the church into something new corporately. But as an individual, when you walk with the Lord, the, the signs of the Kairos moment and the weightiness of the shift, it can become so obvious that it's almost impossible to miss. And I believe that's uh, the people that I'm speaking to you. You love the Lord, you're filled with the Spirit, and you want to please God, and you, you, you shift. You, you, you sense the shift. The shift is working in your heart. God's going to do it. Praise God. And it's, you're going to catch it. You're not going to miss it. Years back, I had a moment in my life where I went into work, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. In a sense, it wasn't an audible voice. I didn't like hear it out loud, but it was unmistakable at the same time. If you've ever heard the voice of God, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This was not an authoritative voice where God speaks with great authority, but it was just the Holy Spirit talking as a friend, a counselor to me. And the Holy Spirit said, when I went into work, he said, turn in your two weeks notice to resign, give your two week resignation notice. And you know that, okay, so I'm looking at a Kairos moment and I thought, well, Lord, you know, I kind of, you know, reason with the Holy spirit, uh, as from my, per, my perspective of why this is not a good time to do this. I said, Lord, I've, o- I've only got three meetings booked on my whole schedule for the whole year. And you're telling me to go into the ministry full time. Okay. So I had a salaried position, great pay, great benefits, and a great future in a great company. And, and, uh, you know, I, I had just heard the Lord speak to me, but I knew it was God and I knew exactly what I needed to do. So I, when I went into work, I went to the manager and the manager was standing with some of the associate managers that were beneath him. And I told him where only he heard, I said, I need to turn in my two week notice but what he said, all of the others heard. He said, Stephen, you're going to turn in your two-week notice? He said, we had all just met and decided that you're the next manager over this entire department. It's yours. Are you sure you want to walk away from that? He said, we want you to have a career 
with this company. I said, you know what? I said, this is a great company and it is a great career, but I have to do what I know is right in my heart. And I thanked, I thanked them and I gave my two week resignation notice, finished out my two weeks working 100% on those two weeks, not loafing on the last two weeks, gave it my very best and stepped off. And when I stepped off into that Kairos moment, it was absolutely amazing what happened. I had a pastor call me that had a large church, several thousand members. The only people that spoke in his church were internationally recognized ministers. And he called me. I didn't call him. He, he called me and said, Stephen, when are you going to come speak at my church? I said, well, I can, I, I, I can come whenever you'd like for me to come. I've, I've got time. And so, you know, I just had left my job. And so I had time and I went and I spoke for him and he received a good offering for me. And after I received the offering, he doubled the offering by uh, dipping into the church treasury. And he said, Stephen, we love you so much. We know you're going to do great things for the Lord. And he doubled my offering. It was, it was an amazing thing because I was being launched by the Lord into the ministry. And meetings just began to pour in. Another pastor said, Stephen, you must come and speak at my church. And I spoke at his church. And the offering that he received from me shocked him. And he was just like, whoa, I didn't, he told me later, by, you know, behind the scenes, he said, I didn't know the offering was going to be so large. And he said, but Stephen, it's all yours. And we're so happy to bless you. But see, they didn't really know that I'm now being launched into a new season of my life. But the, the reason all of this was happening, and there was no logical explanation for it because it had never happened before. But the reason it happened because it was a shift. And God sent me into the ministry, praise God. And he just provided and provided, and he set us up. He set me and Kelly up really well. And, you know, because I was thinking, I wonder how I'm going to, you know, get around and travel. If I'm going to be a traveling prophet, if I'm going to, in most prophets' ministries, they are ministries that are, that are moving. If you see the prophet Samuel, you'll see that he went from uh, city to city. He had a, a circuit that he would travel on. It was like a loop that he would go on. And Jesus also, he had a circuit that he would preach on all over Israel in certain areas. And you even see that when Elijah was going to pass the mantle to Elisha, they first went on a journey, going where? To the schools of ministry on a circuit in the different cities. So oftentimes a prophet's ministry, the majority of the time is a roving, traveling type ministry. They'll be out on the field a lot. And I was wondering, well, Lord, I wonder how I'm going to get around. And would you believe the Lord dropped the motorhome into my lap? I mean, not literally into my lap, but my wife and I, we found ourselves with a really nice motorhome. Wow, what great timing. Well, here we go. Off we go. So, you know, I had done ministry for years before that, but I was, I was working a dual occupation ministry and also my day job. And I just did that and did that and did that. And then the Lord finally said, go full time in the ministry. That was a Kairos moment for me. And so here's something interesting about the Kairos moment. You cannot force it to happen, uh, to, to come forth. You cannot force God to bring about a Kairos moment any more than you can force your destiny to come forth. But my friends, this is the time where God has predetermined a set time for you to come into something special and you, and you're going to catch it. And it's like, it's like a wave. It's like a wave. And you sense there's a wave because God, the wave is God. He carries you and he just moves you into this new thing. There's no strain. There's no struggle. There's, there's no trying to figure out how it's going to happen. My definition of the Kairos moment is it just all comes together in the right way at the right time. And you find yourself there and you're like, wow, that was amazing. See, that's God. That's God getting you to that place that you're intended, that you're destined, and that you're supposed to be, that was planned for you before you were ever born. Praise God. This is your time. This is your time. God's going to get you there. Praise the Lord. I think because there are Christians who so want change who so want to experience the glory, the majesty, the power, the provision 
the healing, the goodness of God, that there has been some disillusionment because it hasn't come forth, perhaps in the timing that they have desired, and in the level of degree that they have desired, and so there's been discouragement. And, uh, you know, I get the phone calls, I get the emails, and I not only get them from church people, I get them from ministers. Pastor Stephen, I'm encouraged, uh, excuse me, I'm discouraged. <laughs> I'm discouraged. Things are tough. It seems like my ministry is not going forwards. seems like it's going backwards. See, what's going on? Oftentimes there can be disillusionment because you really are trying. You really do want God to break through in your life. You really do want there to be a change. My friends, this is why it's very important to never quit, but to stay with the Lord because it can all turn in a moment. It can all turn literally in one hour, in one day. God can turn the whole thing around, and the next thing you know, you're, you're in that place. And God can move literally that fast. He can pull it all together and make your life absolutely beautiful. Praise the Lord. So God's going to change it. Don't feel like just because you haven't been perfect or because maybe you've had doubts, maybe because you've had those dry spells or you've had failures that God can't do it. I want to say something to you today from my heart to your heart, from God's heart to your heart. You're still on time. Let that soak in. You're still on time and you're going to make it. Okay. Let the Holy Spirit soothe you with those words. You haven't missed God. The best is yet to come, and you're going to make it. And you're coming into the best moments, the best days of your life now. Hallelujah. I feel the glory of the Lord. Praise God. So get ready. Be encouraged. This is the time to get up. This is the time to smile. This is the time to shout. This is the time to rejoice. Praise the Lord. When there is a Kairos moment, there can be that special supreme moment for the church in that season, in that generation. There can be also that supreme moment in the life of the believer. Would you like to see where the church is at right now in the Kairos moment that God is doing with the church? Uh, can I show it to you? Now, when I say the church, I know that we are a global church family. I want to speak to the American church just for a moment, to the believers in the body of Christ in America. Hallelujah. We are one family, one body in the earth. But I want to speak to the American Christians just for a moment, because it's been tough. It's been tough over the last decades, because there has been an absence of a very mighty move of the Spirit. But I want to show you from a prophetic viewpoint right now where the American church Lord gave me and this can be found in the book of Song of Solomon let me ask you this when's the last time you were in the Song of Solomon don't drift away from that book that book is a relationship prophetically symbolizing Jesus and the church and you are the church and when you spend time in it uh, you'll get rich insight into the working of the Spirit of God in the church. And Jesus loves the church. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 5. This is where the American church is at right now. Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? Who is this coming up from the wilderness? This is the bride. This is the church coming out of a wilderness experience. You know, the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness of sin. They didn't want to be there, but they didn't know how to get out of it. They're like, how do we get out of this place? Eventually, God moved them on, moved them on. See, in order to move into something new, you can't stay in the old. And you have to be willing to let the old go. Old habits, old mindsets old things that would be wrong and displeasing to the Spirit of God, and anything contrary to the will of God expressed through His Word, you have to say, I'm done with that. I'm done with that. And this is where the American church is at. The American church has experienced much grace, much grace. And the Lord is now beginning to meet 
his people as they come out of the wilderness. This is very, very beautiful, very prophetic, because the Holy Spirit has been very patient with the church. And you know he's been very patient and loving with you, very encouraging, very uh, very much teaching and guiding and helping. And now the church is coming out of the wilderness, coming out of the trials, coming out of the disillusionment, coming out of the discouragement, coming out of depression, coming out of all of these things that would try to hold her down and leaning upon her beloved saying, Lord, I have reevaluated my life and I have found out what the Christian journey it's all about. The externals are important. The externals are good. But Lord, it was in the wilderness experience. I realized that the greatest thing that your spirit is doing in my life is not outward. It's inward. And oh God, do this interior work in my life with an ongoing basis. Praise God. You know, it's not about how many souls we win, although soul winning is important. It's not about how busy we are, although it's good to be busy, but it's about, it's about letting Jesus be Lord of your heart in here. Hallelujah. And when everything is one in here, and when the inner palace, the inner chamber is fully taken up with the residence of God, and you just say, Lord, I yield, come in, come in and make me what you want to be. That's when you come out of the wilderness. That's when you realize these things that used to grab my attention, these used to think, these things that used to occupy my time, they now, they now grow dim in the glory of the bridegroom. I've lost my love for the things of the world. I am in love with Jesus now. I will never be distracted again. I will never get tangled up in the wilderness again. I am now coming into a walk of devotion and purity and passion for Jesus, unlike anything I've ever been in before. And it, it will be sustained. Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning having learned through experience what's really important to the Lord, leaning now in faith and trust on the bridegroom saying, I'm never going to let go of this relationship that we have. My love relationship with you is more important than anything else. Leaning upon her beloved. My friends, that's where the American church is at. I can't speak for the work that God is doing in other nations, because this is primarily where I'm at. I travel to other nations, but this is the heartbeat. I know what God is doing here. It takes a while to catch the heartbeat of God in a nation, but I know what he's doing here, and it's going to be incredible what is going to take place in our nation, in our government, in our leadership, and within the church. And remember, you make up the church as an individual, so God is... God is wiping away all sorrow. This is a Psalm 126 moment when the tears are replaced with laughter and joy. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. Praise God. This is what you're coming into as you're coming out of any type of barrenness or wilderness experience. Praise God. Pastor Stephen, this is very special. What can I do to sustain this? I'm so glad that's on your mind. I'm so glad that you want to please the Lord. Hallelujah. In this Kairos moment that you capitalize on this very special moment and make the most of it and never lose the momentum or the traction that has now been placed within your life. Very, very quickly. Let's go. Let's go there because this is your sustaining undergirding scripture that will help you ride that wave, ride that wave and maximize the moment of what God has given you. Let's go back to the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter one, praise the Lord. Verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he checked his emails, made phone calls, got on the television because he was bored. No, 
There he prayed. Okay. Not played. There he prayed. Still dark outside. Very early in the morning, maybe 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the morning. It doesn't exactly say. But he was up a long time, a long while. A long while is not 10 minutes or 12 minutes. A long while. Invest a long while in prayer each morning. Before you start your day with your activities, get up very early every single morning, even while it's dark outside, and spend time with the Lord, and you will always be in the right place at the right time, enjoying not only the blessing of the Kairos moment, but also enjoying the blessing of the Kronos time that you live in every single day. He'll make every minute, every hour of your life sweet, but it all starts by winning it and sustaining it in the morning. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. I believe that as the church is coming out of the wilderness, and the glory is coming back into the church. I believe that your devotional time in the Lord in the morning will be so pivotal and so serious to you that you will not miss a day for an entire year. I believe that there are those that are watching me that in order to sustain the wonderful things that God has brought into your life that you will so value your morning devotional life that you will not miss one day for out of the next 700 days. Let that sink into your spirit. You may even want to get a calendar. For the next 700 days, you will not miss one day. Praise God. Why? Because you've come out of the wilderness, and you never want to go back into it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because of the work that God is doing in your heart, and you never want to lose that. Praise God. Because of what God has presented to you is so sacred and, so, and special, it must not only be momentarily enjoyed, it must be stewarded and sustained. It's actually a responsibility that he has placed into your hands. That is the purpose of the rightness. That is the purpose of the supreme moment. That is the importance of the fixed time to place you in a position of heavenly responsibility. Father, I pray for your people that they clearly see their Kairos moment, that they step into it with grace and faith and strength and a lot of laughter as well. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. You won't miss it. You'll catch it. Praise God. Hallelujah. My friends, let's celebrate the Lord's goodness to grant to us and to pre-plan for us Kairos moments by taking communion together today. Please grab some unleavened bread and grab some grape juice. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's do this together as a church family online, meeting literally together from all over the world. Praise God. Take your, your bread and your juice. Let's pray over it. Father, we bless this. We consecrate this. This is now set apart. This is now the flesh and the blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the body the flesh of Jesus. We thank you that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of your mouth. And as we eat this flesh of Christ, may his word be living to us. May our prayer life be strong. May our relationship as bride and bridegroom be vibrant till the day of Christ's return. In Jesus' name, let us now receive the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you need a little help understanding Song of Solomon, Get the mini book by Madame Jean Guyon. 
the French mystic, who was one of the great writers of the church, and read her writings, her teachings, her commentary on the book of Song of Solomon. It will light you on fire. Praise God. It will give you deep understanding of, of your relationship with Jesus and that mystical union of Christ and the bride. Hallelujah. Ooh, hallelujah. This is the time for your Kairos moment. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that you have established these times within our personal lives, within the church, and within the nation of Israel. Oh, God bless the nation of Israel. Father, God bless the nation of America. Bless President Trump. Father, God bless the church and awaken the church. Awaken the American church as she is now coming out of the wilderness. We give you praise. We thank you for your glory surging back into our meetings, our times together, even our times together over the Internet. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. Father, let your people have tremendous moments with you in their Kairos moment. We thank you, Father, that all of this is possible through the shed blood of our Savior. We receive his blood now by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's drink. Praise God. If you would like a little further insight into what is happening in the American church right now prophetically, go to Google and type in Tommy Hicks in time vision. Tommy, T-O-M-M-Y, Hicks, H-I-C-K, apostrophe S. Tommy Hicks had an incredible vision of the church in the last days. It's actually where we're at right now as being the sleeping giant tied down with all types of cares, worries, and troubles. But the giant woke up. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's what's going on right now. The body of Christ now globally so beautifully. The Nigerian church, so beautiful. The Argentinian church, so beautiful. The Chilean church, so beautiful. The church in Germany, so beautiful. Hallelujah. The church in America, in Canada, so beautiful. As we all join together, one body, many members, we will see the glory of God fill the earth. Hallelujah. My friends, do not neglect your morning devotional life. Let the Lord meet you there. Let the Holy Spirit, the master teacher, meet you there in the dark, teaching and instructing you concerning the unfolding of each new day. Father, we thank you for your glory. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you will help us get ready for and catch every Kairos predetermined set time that you have for us. We thank you for this. We give you praise. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. My friends, have a great week. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.